Welcome back to Anime Death Spiral, the only anime podcast approved in a double-blind taste test. I'm Nate. Uh, as always, I'm here with Remy, and and I think that this week we watch some anime. Oh, uh, let's go with that. Yeah. yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> I did. Let's, I don't know uh, about you. I did. Yeah. You did. You yeah. did. I mean, I did. It. I did it at some point. Can we leave it at that? <laughs> we'll leave it at that for now. Um, I actually, I want to do, uh, to bring up an anime that I watched the first three episodes of. How unorthodox. I know. Uh, That's me. I'm a maverick. This MFB watch an anime? Uh, Some people prefer to freebase their anime these days, I'll admit. You know, uh, direct uh, intravenous injection is probably uh, a close second. But I like to do it old school. You're so excited about watching anime. You just want to jump into a show you watch. That's crazy. I just wanted to jump into a show that I kind of liked, uh, which is so rare these days that it has me excited. <laughs> Jujutsu Kaisen? Uh, it's not August 31st yet, baby. Uh, we still only got those six flashbacks episodes. I was actually, I was, I was like excited to catch up on all this anime. Like I said, I haven't been watching anime. Because my partners went down for the count, <laughs> lost to COVID, rip in peace. Yeah, uh, we finally sat down to like watch the anime, and there was only w- the one episode of Jujutsu Kaisen uh, from like the last three weeks. I've been jonesing real bad, especially because those those episodes that they have put out looked real fucking good. Uh, they were they were you know working overtime. I was actually thinking about looking up like some of the production stuff on the last these this set of episodes because i really like the variety of uh like storyboarding and animation styles that we were getting i feel like honestly this last the last episode had almost a a yuasa look to it which i thought was really cool like a very stripped down simplified uh kind of very loosey-goosey uh animation style to it that i thought was like really cool and like unique to the series up to this point is like whoa they're they're letting them do weird shit which is like really cool and almost taking it in the opposite direction of uh the chainsaw man stuff that they're fresh off of right in like the chainsaw man stuff they were doing the they were experimenting a lot with the cgi Mm -hmm. uh techniques right using cgi to uh create camera movement that is like atypical to most anime that's not a billion dollars right and in these last uh few jujitsu kaisen episodes i see them experimenting with like very uh exaggerated and simplified silhouettes uh flatter color palettes but with more strange movement to them uh sort of like almost an anti-realism that i've always really liked about some of the more out there anime uh, I've talked, obviously, mentioned a few times that, like, I think Kaiba is the best anime ever. And Kaiba is all about just, like, uh, kind of a, a blobbiness, a flowiness, uh, a weirdness of animation that's almost, uh, like, anti-realist, like I said. Which yeah. I see some of that leaking into the final episode of this chunk of Jujutsu Kaisen, which I'm like, Mwah. oh, beautiful real fucking good looking it's funny you mention all that because i think um uh keep your hands off isaken which is uh you know i obviously uh masaka yuasa um i think i think that's the name masaki yuasa 
yeah, Masaki Yuasa, uh, his series about about fans of animation, uh, while being a very uh, kind of loose. Uh, flowy, a uh, little bit blobby type animation style that you're talking about. Um, that's been yes. on my list for a while. That one is really, really great. I really love Keep Your Hands Off Isaac, and that does that actually kind of splits the difference because it's it has a really kind of uh, simplified, in some ways, take, especially when it comes to character faces and kind of details like that. But it also maintains like a super sharpness when it comes to character movement, which is uh, fantastic. And it talks about that. It's funny because that obviously that's a show about making anime. And so the characters within the anime talk a lot about what the techniques that are actually being used uh, in in the anime. Uh, You cannot get more meta than that. I know there's a lot of anime about making anime and manga about making manga. Uh, but Isaacun is definitely the smartest and the sharpest and best looking of the bunch. Yeah. It's fun to see more uh, experimental animation in a big series like that. Uh, uh, but that's not the anime you want to talk about. You want to talk about something completely different. Absolutely, uh, totally different room from from what you've been talking about. But that's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can, I, can I talk about this this anime that I kind of liked? Yes, you can bring up something that's not Jujutsu Kaisen. All right. Ugh. Hey, hold on. I really like Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, <clears throat> I only kind of like this one. <laughs> <laughs> ringing endorsement right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, so as I understand, uh, this is a show about dress-up for little girls. This is a little girl show uh, about dressing up dolls. Uh, oh, no, no. Uh, oh, well, only if you consider... The fact that that the main character is literally little in that she is short for her age. <laughs> uh, no, I've been watching a show called Smile Down the Runway, uh, which is a what I consider a non-traditional uh, shonen type anime uh, about the world and realms of high fashion. Sure, and I'll I'll get to why I consider it a shonen specifically in a little bit, but. The the premise is basically our main character, one of our main characters, is high schooler uh, Chiyuki Fujito, who is the daughter of an upstart fashion designer uh, and, and like fashion company in Tokyo, who's come <laughs> to know some level of success. And, and her dream has always been to be the top model for her father's uh, fashion company, right? What? That's her dream? That's that, her that dream. That seems really... That seems really doable. Well, the issue <laughs> is that um, her dad fucking fires her ass for being too short. Holy shit. Yeah. It's actually not great parenting. Um, what a fucking asshole. Uh, yeah. If you're going to do nepotism, commit to it. Don't don't rug pull uh, when it doesn't work out for you. Yeah. Why hire her in the first place? It's not like he didn't know she was short right off the bat. Well, the issue is that she she grew real tall real early and never grew beyond that. They established that first scene. She she hit five foot two by fourth grade and then never never grew what? <laughs> a centimeter taller. That's pretty tall for a fourth grader. Exactly. So that's why uh, uh, a little kid model. Uh, growing up for her dad's company and then he fired her when she stopped getting taller (laughs) you have to be at least according to the anime it is required strictly required 
to be at least five foot eight to be a runway model. Which is funny because that is like also incredibly short for like Western yeah. <laughs> like, supermodel standards. Like you have to be like over six foot. There's a whole thing about it in Neon Demon. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Holy oh shit. man, I love that movie. Yeah. That movie kicks ass. It's so good. So <laughs> now you got me thinking about that. <laughs> uh, that's practically a Junji Ito short. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, okay, first of all, hold on. Uh, creepy Witch Cult did it all uh, at the end is a classic Ito move. I, I always interpreted them sort of as like, you know the thing about uh, mermaids in, in a lot of manga and anime? Like, e- eating the mermaid flesh makes you immortal and, like, forever young. Wait, what? No, what? You never heard of this? No? <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> Can you cite some sources? Uh, do you remember there was a, uh, Blackjack episode about it? Um, there was a mermaid hey, girl. Are you talking about the, the, the episode where he's trying to figure out the, the ocean pollution, like, disease issue? Yes, the, the company that completely dumps on, actually very timely, I don't know if we should yeah. know about the, uh, the, yeah. dump, the, the Fukushima dumping all the fucking shit into the ocean. And trying to, I think they're trying to sue China because China's like, we don't want the nuclear fish uh, being imported into the country. And Japan's like, that's not fair. No, it's fair. It's fair to not want nuclear fish. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's a big thing. If you eat the flesh of a mermaid, you become immortal. Well, you're going to have to trust me. There's a couple different things. I'll take your word for it on this one. But no, I've never heard of that. I can't believe you've never seen it come up. Uh, even in this last season of uh, anime, I think there was at least one show that was like centrally about that. But in in the end of Neon Demon, I think of them eating the flesh of the pretty girl to remain ever young as uh, like a direct connection, like very on the nose almost. I mean, there could be some inspiration there, but they literally say, you know, we're witches witches did it yeah i guess in in the greek uh uh fates tradition when they pull the eyeball out that is very witchy yeah but but that's not what i'm here to talk about <laughs> uh th- this anime distinctly does not have any witchery in it okay okay uh, for the for the worse i have to say yeah well i can't say that it wouldn't improve it but but we'll get to it it's not completely without its uh interesting elements and so we have, we have her, you know, fast forward three years. She's in high school. She hasn't grown an inch. And she is every day consistently re-auditioning to be a model for her father's agency, uh, which is absolutely humiliating uh, for her. That's humiliating and brutal. How, why would you keep going? Well, because it's her dream, her sincerest dream in all the world to be the top model for her father's line at Paris Fashion Week. Is her father like the best He's not the best, but he's well known. He has some some degree of success within the fashion world in in Japan. They make a point of that. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, and and uh, he's you know known for for his creative and and interesting designs. So he's kind of like an upstart. His whole thing was that he started the company the same year that that the main character, his daughter, was born. And and he wanted for her to be a great model. 
which is very much a shonen thing, kind of like the parent uh, wishing greatness upon their child. Sure, sure. Uh, the fashion runs in the bloodline of our family. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and you can imagine his uh, his huge disappointment at the fact that she that she is a shorty. Oh, my bloodline! <laughs> it turns out it's cursed. Mm-hmm. And so, intro her classmate uh, Ikuto Sumura. Uh, who is a quiet, mousy, uh, you know, introverted boy uh, who uh, secretly has a love for fashion design, but uh, can't pursue his dream because he's the sole provider for his family of three uh, quirky uh, younger sisters. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So he has he has a, a mother. He ha- well, he's got no dad, which is very shonen. He's got a mother in the hospital. Um, that that he's supporting. Very shonen. Very shonen. Usually it's the little sister, but the mother works. He's got three little sisters, uh, each of them with a with a quirky personality trait. You know, we have the the super genius one who turned down a scholarship because uh, she needs to to work to provide for the family, and we have the tomboy one who turned down a sports scholarship to college again to provide for the family. What? But the what Mm -hmm. it's free money (laughs) wait what's free money a full sports scholarship are you kidding me can't go to school and be a student at the same time is that true or be a worker (laughs) you can go to school and be a student (laughs) 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 that is distinctly what you go to school for (laughs) yeah a a student of being a drone a mindless sheep uh and then and then his third little sister is five years old um, and therefore cannot work to provide for the family. Do they do they still have child labor laws over there? We just got rid of ours, so I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, boy. So, so anyway, she comes to him uh, when she notices the, his innate talent for, for design and uh, seamstressry. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that word is gendered. Is he a seamster? Uh, seamster yeah he's he's a seamster yes (laughs) i would say a tailor is usually what you'd call that yeah a tailor um he is a you know designer with a knack for for actually physically sewing the dresses together which comes up as as a thing yeah i would call that tailoring but that's me so so she she propositions him you know make me a a costume to impress my dad's company a costume make me an outfit <laughs> to impress my dad's company uh and you know we'll we'll make it to the top together uh and that's the basic premise and and the first kind of major story bump is he gets you know through her father's connections he gets taken on basically as an apprentice to this kind of curmudgeonly styled uh, uh designer who's well-known within the industry, who needs a last-minute lackey to help him out to get ready for uh, Tokyo Fashion Week, which is tomorrow. Wow. Big, uh, big ticking clock introduced right away. Why is it always tomorrow? Uh, oh, by the way, I, I should mention that the the outfit that he made for her did, in fact, impress her father enough to to land her a job back at his company. Honestly, I think that would that would make me feel even worse about the whole thing that like some fucking stranger had to get me back in the door with my own dad. Hey, he's not a stranger. He's he's her classmate. Yeah, but don't 
<laughs> don't these people like never know each other they're like almost perfect strangers even though they're classmates well yes she does she does accidentally walk in on him in the costume making room at their school's you know theater department uh and and discovers his shamed secret of uh wanting to recreate high fashion from recycled clothes <laughs> which i think is actually kind of cool i think that's a neat you know character trait about him no it's it's dope as hell like he totally belongs on project runway and and wouldn't you know it um last minute one of the models for for this curmudgeonly designer's line uh drops out and gets replaced by uh, our main character chiyuki um so they are working together designer and model uh for the first time thrust into the world of high fashion uh with no previous experience and and they fucking knock it out of the park uh, and that's like the first three episodes of the anime. And it uh, it it charmed me somewhat um, because I was specifically keeping in mind uh, uh, Sono Bisque Doll, which I think is the other far more popular uh, like clothing fashion centric uh, manga uh, going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you watched three episodes. Yeah, I watched the first three episodes of this. And oh, I I forgot to mention um, uh, in the kind of uh, crescendo of these three episodes, obviously it's her, you know, showing off this last minute design that he made on the runway and getting a standing ovation from from everybody there. <laughs> what? Yeah. By the way, uh, he does a, a backdoor like costume change on her by designing in a faulty seam that's designed to rip at a certain point so that it looks like a butterfly's wings unfurling. Wow, that sounds super familiar now that you say that. Uh, what, what's it reminding you of? No, like that exact thing I feel like I've seen in something else, that uh, a, a butterfly quick change uh, gimmick in, in something. Wow, that's so weird. Uh, I want... Have I seen this show? <laughs> that's so strange. Maybe, maybe you has it. Uh, it came out a couple years ago, but but the most interesting aspect that they introduce at the culmination of these three episodes is probably the most shonen thing about it, in that uh, they introduce the concept that a a designer and a model working in unison can give you almost can give the model almost a supernatural aura that affects everybody around them and and depending on the style of clothes uh and and the models walk and makeup they can affect people around them uh to basically what i'm assuming is going to escalate to mind control levels <laughs> so that she has she manifests like an aoe buff basically yeah yes wow God, uh, Baldur's Gate is rotted your brain. <laughs> you were thinking it. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, do they portray this as, like, special? Because, uh, not to invoke Project Runway yet again, but, like, it's not exactly little known that uh, a lot of runway model costumes are, are basically held together by, like, s stitching at the last second. Um, and they're, like, non-functional garments, except for, like, the... the two minutes there uh, on display i think uh they do acknowledge that um and i think okay. what they were going for is more uh that we were to be impressed by 
the fact that he's doing all of this with no real previous training other than being self-taught um because he's yeah he makes that you know clear he's never you know everything he knows he's is self-taught uh, and I, so all of this is giving like super project runway vibes like i can't it is it is intruding into my mind here uh does tim gunn show up <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are there any celebrity pastiches in the audience? You know, the, you know, like how they do. Uh, None that <laughs> I noticed like so far. Weird, famous people. Uh, part of the, okay. So part of the reason that uh, her father rehires her back into uh, his agency is because uh, to kind of prove him wrong, she did a like uh, kind of gorilla, uh, what they call snap and shoot uh, amateur modeling for for a photographer on the street and sure and that uh those that picture set got featured in an underground fashion magazine uh which then got retweeted by a super huge like super famous uh model which may or may not have been a pastiche that i was unfamiliar with but the the point is is that it kind of like accidentally went viral uh, and that impressed her father so much to hire them both. Okay, okay. This dad is coming out worse and worse as you. Oh, he's an it. awful like parent. This... Uh, he yeah. literally says he doesn't say you're too short to be a model. He never says that. He says you have no talent anymore. <laughs> this guy sucks. Yeah, oh he's my awful. God. He's the fucking worst. Why would she ever want to stick with this dude? Uh, it sounds I mean, like she it... should be running away. Uh, well, I mean, abuse victims uh, often have difficulty leaving on their own. Oh boy! I don't think Jesus we want to get into Christ. that, but oh uh, man. yeah, her dad sucks. What is the sucks. tone? What is the tone of the show? Like, is it goofy? Is it uh, super shown in serious? It, no, like it's everybody's uh, battling for their life. It's uh, is I it comedic. It's not comedic. I would say it, it leans more on the shown in. It's not super serious. It definitely yeah. has its levity, but it's definitely has the shown in you know, determination, we're going to do this together. Uh, teamwork is, is the key to success kind of feel. Okay, okay. Uh, what about realism? Like, how how real is the actual, like... Well, okay, I, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that is uh, specifically something I contrasted to Sono Biskdal, uh in terms of how they treat the realism of nudity in fashion, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, because in Sono Biskdal, it is uh, very, you know, first and foremost, like, uh, horny to us as the viewer, you know. Nudity, uh, nudity in Sono Biskdal is used uh, specifically and overtly as uh, what, let's say, kinder reviewers would call fan service. Yes. It is meant to titillate the audience, and that is its purpose in the story. That yes, that is exactly correct, and that yeah. is the opposite of the way they're approaching it in Smile on the Runway, uh, okay. where okay, so this is the culmination. How refreshing! Yeah, oh, this is the culmination of of getting ready for Tokyo Fashion Week, and they're backstage, and uh, for the first time, he realizes that uh, models have to do costume changes, and <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait, what? Again, he is completely self-taught, has never worked with a model before. Like this so is So he hasn't watched he hasn't watched Project Runway. No. 
<laughs> and what 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 era is this set in? He doesn't have the fucking internet. Oh no, he has the internet. His whole thing is that he watches. Uh, uh, he is also a religious follower of Paris Fashion Week. This is specifically, you know, high fashion. Uh, I mean, I've never watched Project Runway, so <laughs> what the fuck? I know. Uh, you, awful, what? awful of me at this point, right? What about America's Next Top Model? Because there's a lot of crossover there. No, no. Uh, I generally oh, vie away from reality television as a whole, oh, to be honest. I am shaking my head right now. I know, I know. You uncultured swine. <laughs> anyway, to for whatever reason, this is the first time backstage that he realizes that uh, models take off their clothes and and change. Uh, <laughs> That's and, so funny to me. And often don't wear underwear underneath their their clothes. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you can't with a lot of the outfits because of the way that they are literally exactly. stitched onto the body. And and so she's like, "Hey, you need to make this alteration. I can't take off these clothes right now. So you have to do it while I'm wearing it. I need you to get underneath my skirt." Uh, and uh, for like half a second. He's like, what? Uh, and then he's like, oh, wait, uh, uh, fashion designers do this all the time. Why the fuck am I freaking out? And he immediately gets over it and, and just goes to work, which I found very refreshing. Well, yeah, if you want to do this professionally, maybe you need to like actually be a professional about it. Whereas, uh, but you said, you know, uh, the, the... but you said he was in the theater department, right? That is something that happens in theater. Well, too. no, he that he is not in the theater club. He just hangs out in the costume room because that's where the costume making stuff is. Oh. This is his private hobby. He's a creep. Okay. Yeah, I I, I don't like this dude. Well, I mean, uh, don't judge him too hard. Uh, <laughs> uh, he is definitely not creep-coded the way uh, Gojo from Sonobisque Doll is. Okay. Well, it's, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure Gojo is creep-coded. I think he is prudish in a very annoying way and in a way that actually like increases uh his his pervert quota his pervert <laughs> quotient i should say uh-huh. uh but i don't know if he's creep coded like he is not lecherous in the traditional anime way uh, yeah. of the best friend at school way yeah well also you know this kind of ties into the fact that this is specifically about high fashion and they make no like, they acknowledge that most of these garments that they're wearing are non-functional. Yeah, okay. Uh, as opposed to Sono Bisque Doll, where I think the focus is placed too much on the fact that, like, Marin is specifically into cosplaying characters from Arrow visual novel games. Yes. Which Ugh. is, you know, that... It's creepy, right? Like that, that is, it feels too much like a male author's imposition on, on well, this character. And I don't know if I, that author is male or not. Uh, I'll say that I right feel, now. Yeah. I feel like we are, we're veering yet again, not for the first time dangerously into a conversation about the male gaze, but yeah. like it definitely 100% is male gazy yeah. in that way. Uh, it is positioned as uh, a selling point in that, Hey, check it out. Uh, consistently in that series. Hey, check it out. It's a chick and she's she's cool with being objectified. So it's like it's okay to objectify her in that way. 
Yeah. Yeah, which is, oh my God, it's like so fucking annoying. Which, you know, I think that's kind of almost a, a in inevitability in cosplay, right? Because cosplay is recreating costumes from anime and video games, and the characters in those are specifically made to titillate the, the well, audience. Well, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, uh, this is a comic that I recommend to you. I think what, actually when you brought up Sono Biscuit all the first time, why do you was keep pronouncing it like age. that? Sono Biscuit all? Yeah. What, how do you pronounce it? Bisque. Sono Bisque doll. Yeah. <laughs> is that, why do you think it's, it's pronounced Bisque? <laughs> Sono Bisque doll. That's because that's just if that's how it feels correct. It feels correct coming out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, that what? is, I can assure you that that is not how it's pronounced. Do you think it's bisque like like a a tomato bisque? Is that is that how yeah. you picture it in your mind? Yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Oh my it. god! Oh my god! Okay, well we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this one. Uh, okay, all right, all <laughs> that's right. It's really funny. Well, how how does a soup come into play? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, whatever. I, the, what I was saying is it, it relates it, this comes straight back to complex age. In, in fact, the tailor, the big tailoring aspect and modeling aspect. Now complex age is uh, again, more on the cosplay side than the high fashion side. Uh, complex age is about a, a, a very devoted and uh, kind of popular cosplayer who is uh, her, her central dilemma is that she is aging out of cosplay she feels like now that she's um so that means she's she, what like 23 yeah well uh <laughs> it, it plays with that idea too but i she is actually i think at the beginning of the story she's 26 oh um and she is <laughs> oh. developing yes and she is developing a complex about her age oh, weird man. well have Crazy. i have i told you about the absolutely like uh horrendous uh, concept in in the colloquialism in Japanese that's uh, Christmas cake. Christmas cake. Yeah, it sounds familiar, but I can't I can't, uh, I can't uh, conjure it. Uh, Christmas cake is a Japanese term for a woman past the age of twenty five uh, because nobody wants you after the twenty fifth. <laughs> Holy shit! It's absolutely oh. awful. Oh my god. That so it's like the spinster. Yeah, yeah. It's based calling someone a Christmas cake is like calling someone a spinster. Wow, that's it's hard. fucked up. That's hard. Man. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that is applicable here because she she is twenty six at the beginning of the story, and she feels like she's now preaching a a, a place where she's awkward about her place in cosplay. And uh, it's interesting because she does almost immediately meet characters uh, who are both younger and older than her, who also have complexes about their position uh, in cosplay, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is she has a very specific character that she is to, like hyper fixated on. And uh, part of the, the age complex thing is that it is a character from specifically a child's anime, like like a, a magical girl show meant for, you know, like preteens, yeah. uh, which is, yeah, she is also has like kind of a thing, even though this is, she's definitely has like a problem uh, with her devotion to this specific character. 
<laughs> it's funny because they have a character in Sono Bisky doll uh, that's uh, her her talent as a cosplayer is specifically that she has a small childlike frame so that she can cosplay these characters more effectively. Yes, and one of the one of the girls um, that our main character from Cosplay Age meets is like very much a younger, more childish looking uh, model who fits her character better than she does. And she begins to have some really intense feelings about that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's about, instead of devolving into sort of the, uh, the uh, we could say the negative version of, of that concept, uh, I find that Complex Age is really charming because it, it, it deals with these characters like uh, coming to terms with that and their relationship with cosplay and in relationship to like female friendships within that space, which I really appreciate. It is, it lacks a lot of that, that, that like male gazy for lack of a better term uh, aspect to it. That's so present in Sonny Bisky doll. Mm-hmm. And it is also like, because she's hyper fixated on this like younger character, the, the cosplay she does in particular is less sexualized and uh well, that's it's not really no <laughs> well yeah i mean it's yeah i guess it could go in a bad direction right but you know it still has that because like at uh, one point during a, what i have to assume is like a publishing deal on the back end of this manga where uh they cross over with uh rampa the characters do dress as like rampa characters and we do have a spread of like 18-year-old girl, 26-year-old girl, a uh, 32-year-old girl all dressed as like Danganronpa characters which are all very specifically like 16-year-olds uh, <laughs> in various stages of dress. Uh, okay. that that visual novel is uh, not particularly subtle about that. <sighs> So that that aspect of it is very strange. <laughs> um, uh, but for well, the, let me ask you this, yeah. um, do any of these characters realize that they can just lie about their age? Well, the main character like they can just lie. The main character does consider it very often, and the, uh, the her her coworker who is like a thirty two year old woman and uh, who she hates at work, but comes to like realize has like a a, a home personality, like a real self, where uh, that is not like her work persona, uh, which you know sucks. And they don't delve into that as much as I wish they would, because that is like a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like th- that she constantly pretends to be younger in the scene because like her complex is that everyone that she's friends with is young in the cosplay scene is younger than her and doesn't know her as uh her real quote-unquote real self and so when she like meets our main character they have like a a very brief standoff moment that's like am I going to lie and pretend like I'm not the person that I am to get out of this awkward conversation or whatever, this awkward uh, confrontation? Like, l- listen, listen, I'm only 22, but I feel like if, if I was in that situation, I would fess up I to know, it. like, as a Gen Z person, I've yet to, like, really get into uh, uh, this, like, age scenario where uh, it's awkward to reveal yourself. But I feel like, you know, I can, I can, I have enough empathy to <laughs> to put myself in the shoes of, like an old person, like a thirty-year-old guy. Yeah, you know? but that's a that's the thing I find really interesting about it. And also, they they spend a lot of time talking about her tailoring, right, and getting back to that. But her her tailoring is a lot about uh, how uh, cosplay itself is built to be non-functional in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. uh, and has to be redone over and over again to like make it through an entire day of cosplaying. 
which is very similar to the backstage like modeling thing where like uh, a piece of clothing that is not uh, meant to be a garment and it is meant to be an art piece is is needs constant rework right which is a fun aspect and an interesting aspect uh, that also comes up a lot on Project Runway. This has nothing to do with fashion, but that is a sentiment that I encounter a lot with the the world of of you know top and cuisine. People posting pictures online of Michelin star meals and then getting comments of like, "Wow, you paid four hundred dollars for this tiny thing." Uh, yeah. Not you know, I understand. I understand the functionality argument, but. Food can be an art just as much as fashion. That's all I wanted to say. Sure, sure. Well, we talked, not on the podcast, but we talked about that movie, The Menu. Remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah. I love that movie. About how it it has a very confused message when it comes to like the actual food part of the movie. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> like, my favorite aspect of it. Um, yeah. I, did, I did like it overall just because I like uh, Nick Holt and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, I like seeing them together. Well, you know, I'm I I absolutely love Anya Taylor Joy uh, in an unhealthy way. Yeah, I know. We've been meaning to talk about that. Yeah, but the but the point being that in the menu, it has a real fucking fake populist bent where they kind of position quote unquote upscale food as uh, inherently ridiculous and non functional and uh, not not meant to be enjoyed by a, a quote-unquote lower class of people. Wherein, yes, like, the, the finale that's complete with, bullshit. you know, her ordering the cheeseburger over anything yes. off of his, you know, fancy menu, right? Yes, and it is positioned explicitly within the movie as the chef's return to quote-unquote real food, uh, as if a cheeseburger is real and, like, uh, I don't know, uh, what else does he make in that movie? Like a home fried, uh, a home baked bread, like yeah. a pita or something like that is fake fancy food, which is complete fucking bullshit. Uh, he serves lobster at one point as if lobster wasn't a working class food uh, for a long time. You know, I I wonder what the what the fashion equivalent of like that sentiment would be. Like, what would the high-end fashion designer go back to to discover his roots? Oh, well, actually, that is interesting you say that because, uh, you know, there has been a lot of, uh, let's say, controversy, for uh, uh, lack of a better word, about uh, more recent uh, high-fashion endeavors uh, appropriating stuff like Carhartt. Are you aware of this? Uh, I mean, I'm aware of Carhartt. I'm not aware of this controversy. So, so uh, clothing brands like Vetements uh, do a, a lot of recent lines have been stuff where they appropriate brands like Carhartt or the Carhartt look, work clothes work, and try to quote-unquote high fashion them. Uh, there's also, that for years and years now, there's also been a, a huge argument about the way like Adidas track suits are used in high fashion, right? <laughs> you because know what this they, is, right? What? This is... This is derelict. It is derelict. It is exactly <laughs> derelict. Yes, the Zoolander stuff, I know. This has been a thing since even before Zoolander, right? Yeah. Is this this thing about uh, high fashion uh, appropriating, uh, obviously, homeless homeless couture is a little bit of an extreme version of it, but, but it's not that far off. Like, positioning uh, ironic versions of, like, Carhartt coveralls as high fashion is something that is, like, 
very controversial and, and and it can be looked at as like really fucking anti-working class because of the way that it's treated like oh how how ironic and interesting is it that like a model is wearing a Carhartt sweatshirt like or an, another brand that they use a lot is DHL you know DHL yeah uh, yeah they use uh, the DHL label well, um, I mean, if you really pieces. want to extrapolate this, this is just an extension of the fascist impulse to appropriate uh, symbols of, of the lower class. Yes, yes. Uh, and, it, and it has a... But there, I, f- I feel, honestly, there's a lot of more complex uh, issues at work. Uh, in particular, I like, I like fashion, high fashion, um, and street fashion. <laughs> Would you call yourself like a that. fascist? <laughs> I'm a fashionista, please. Okay, <laughs> let's keep it. Let's keep it civil here. Okay, uh, let's not get into the Hugo Boss shit that's been talked to death. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Though you know, not hey, great history uh, there. You know, the modern suit, uh, the the and the way it's been used. Uh, you know, hey, even in like anime, in, in the way that Westernization was represented by the suit becoming the business attire of Japan uh, in the, you know, uh, eras uh, coming after like the Meiji era and, and Western clothing uh, superseding yeah. traditional Japanese kimonos and stuff that has a huge uh, capitalist fascist bent to it. There, there is definitely like social aspects, which you can dive into that are directly related to the modernist take on the business suit I'm just saying, just throwing that out there. We don't have to get into that. It's a pretty <laughs> complex topic. Uh, but top but that stuff is topic, uh, <laughs> licking right off the top uh, yeah. of that argument so that we don't have to get into the disgusting stuff right underneath. That's stuff that I, I find very interesting, and I think there are more aspects to it than just saying, like, oh, it is working class appropriation. There are there are layers to it. And, I, and what I like about uh, this, this show that you're describing here being somebody who like doesn't have connections to the high fashion world uh aspiring to do that stuff instead of looking down on it and being like well i'm a real like grassroots guy and i'm better than those high fashion freaks because they're all fakes Uh, i think that's a better take on it than a lot of uh (laughs) versions uh of this story that could be you know what i mean well you know it uh that attitude kind of ties into the title right you know they make mention several times that uh, models aren't supposed to smile on the runway because it draws attention away from the clothes. Uh, uh, at least that's what they say in the show. That's what they say in the show? That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, his aspiration is to kind of introduce that positive energy to the world of high fashion. Uh, and and he wants uh, Chiyuki, the model character, uh, to smile when she wears his clothes. Okay, well, that's weird. I have thoughts about that, but I don't know. That's that's strange. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I, that's that's cool. I like fashion. I like I like the approach that it takes. It sounds like it's better than uh, Sono Bisky doll for sure. I wish there was another one I wanted to connect it to, but I can't bring it to mind right now. So I guess maybe I'll, we'll just leave it for whenever I can actually uh, pull it from my brain. All right, you want to take a break? Yeah. Well, let me just shout out, uh, hey, uh, R.I.P. Virgil Abloh. Off-White was dope. Let's go to break. (laughs) All right. (laughs) 
back, hand away death spiral. Uh, long break there. Uh, Remy, recently you sent me an absolutely daunting list of things to watch. You want to you wanna go over that with me a little bit? Yeah, sorry. I, I ran off and uh, had to do a quick costume change. I'm wearing my full acronym fit right now, just in the spirit of the thing. Oh, uh, yeah, no, me, me too. I'm yeah. not wearing uh, sweatpants and I do have a shirt on. Yeah, you definitely are. You're rocking your full palace and supreme look right now. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're more about that fuckboy life for sure. <laughs> yeah. With One Piece live action bearing down on us and uh, kind of sucking all of the oxygen out of like everything everywhere uh, in an anime space, I kind of wanted to, as we've alluded to a f- few times, Go over uh, our our adaptations. We did our episode where we talked briefly about uh, Western adaptations of anime. We made our <laughs> position pretty clear. There's <laughs> like two good ones and uh, everything else sucks pretty fucking bad. I think most of that discussion, we were just kind of gobsmacked about the Fist of the North Star movie. Well, I, I do. I had a really good time with that movie. That movie really <laughs> fucking kicked ass. That really had like huge Mortal Kombat vibes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely see that. Just like having fun with it, you know? Uh, 100% less wedding cakes in it, though. <laughs> uh, so in that spirit, I know One Piece is is a Western production. But in the spirit of it, I wanted to go on and take a look at the flip side, which is the like native Japanese adaptations of uh, anime and manga stuff. Well, I mean, man, how many how many Western productions, though, have had their creators like full support behind it the way Oda's seemed to the last couple couple weeks with the One Piece thing? Uh, n- none of them he seems really into it and you know uh he could be he could be going to sleep every night on a big pile of money well he definitely is yeah. <laughs> he 100 is i mean but uh you know he wasn't even this involved from my understanding with the promotion for uh that red film that they put out last year sure sure but that's less of uh that's less of a thing because they have been steadily putting out one piece animated movies for more than a decade now uh i feel like two come out a year uh there's a lot of those fucking things okay but this list is all uh homegrown japanese productions adaptations exactly exactly and i know that if anyone uh who is like weirdly obsessive about this stuff will recognize i left some big ones off but but i just want to run down the list here okay well let's start off because the reason you put this list together in the first place was netflix announced the zom 100 live action adaptation right yes well i saw some recent ones uh you know like i linked you earlier uh, the Golden Kamui live-action movie, which uh, is uh, much more exciting to me than either One Piece or Zone 100. I mean, it looked good. It, it gave me uh, vibes of those Kenshin adaptations or, like, the uh, the Dr. D uh, movies. Or Detective sure. D. <laughs> Dr. D. De- Dr. D. <laughs> he may be a doctor. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just that Golden Kamui lends itself more than One Piece, more than Zom 100, more than most of these things on this list, even to a live action adaptation, just by the nature of that story, you know? Mm-hmm. 
but uh but yeah uh the zom 100 trailer bizarre to me i i can't believe that they would have a a live action movie so close to the anime coming out but uh, maybe that's cross promotional stuff i don't know well, I don't know. Netflix is throwing a lot of cash around in a lot of places these days, especially in the adaptation department, as we well, I don't even... clearly see from the One Piece thing. And, you know, I don't know. How long has this manga been going on? Who knows? Yeah. I, I detest it too much to put any effort into uh It really uh, left me with a bad it. taste in my mouth, just uh, the whole attitude it was giving off, despite the, the playful color palette. I mean, we, we went into the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, man, I wish if fucking animation was worse, so I felt better about hating it, but god damn it looked good. God yeah. damn it. God all right, damn it. All right. Okay, got that out of the way. What else is on the list? Okay, look, I want to go over this list because this is I want to make this our project. As, as to put One Piece in its proper context. Because I think, like I said, on the, on the, the Western adaptation things, Western adaptations uh, have a problem. And a lot of it is that it has uh, this almost uh, compulsion to lean away from, like, you know, the authenticity of the manga, of the anime. Uh, and I think it, it has, like, a real superiority complex where they think that, like, putting too much of the authenticity from the anime and the manga cheapens the product. You could see it in the way that they did the Death Note thing and they changed so many of the details to make it, quote-unquote, you know, westernized. Uh, and you see it a lot with the Ghost in the Shell one. Who boy, man, let's... Well, let's not get into that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can read into it however you, you know how you want, but the the artist from Death Note like has said that he really enjoyed the Netflix movie and has made fan art of it. That may be just him playing along, but it, despite how I feel about the series itself, I like to believe that's genuine. Well, I don't have to repeat myself since I said it last episode, but uh, Death of the Author, it, this is a pro-Death of the Author podcast. Uh, <laughs> authors don't mean shit. Like, stick, take a step back. Well, hold on. No, don't put those words in my mouth because I disagree with that. Wow. Wow. I know. Wow. You're wrong. Okay. So the <laughs> list here, I put together sort of like bigger works, heavy hitters, some kind of uh, weirder uh, edge cases, and some oddities uh but i want to go over this because i know these are how we love the oddities we we love the oddities don't we folks (laughs) oh god no don't do that (laughs) uh but this is a big list so i want to talk afterwards about like breaking it into like manageable pieces but uh let's go over the ones that i feel good about first on the I feel good about list, we've got uh, basically the Takashi Miike uh, body of work. We're talking about Blade of the Immortal. We're talking about JoJo. We're talking about uh, Ichi the Killer. These are these are like I would say the S rank. These are like good ass movies uh, mm-hmm. and also good ass anime movies afterwards. Well, uh, you know, I, I hear like Ichi the Killer thrown around in actual uh, you know classic film lists a lot. Yes, Ichi the Killer is, like, cool as hell. Like, that's just straight-up a good-ass movie. Uh, Not to put down these... I I think we should obliterate that distinction because I feel like that's not going to be helpful for talking about these in the long run. So I take that back. I'm sorry I said that. Uh, Ichi the Killer is a good movie. It's a good anime movie. Okay, all right. Uh, Similarly, I think I Am a Hero as well, but that's not Takashi Miike. So... In in the lesser in the lesser moving down from the S ranks, here's some ones that I have seen personally, and I think that are actually like again 
really high, great examples, good role models for the anime live action space. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The Kenshin movies, while <laughs> we have uh, made our objections to Kenshin, uh, you know, clear, listen, I'm I'm going to stream those. Uh, I do not feel comfortable <laughs> financially contributing uh, to 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 that man's pocket. <laughs> Yes. Uh, it, it, As opposed regardless. to all these other movies, which I will definitely pay for on a moral on moral grounds. You will be buying the Blu-rays of. Yeah. <laughs> on on a separate death of the author, death of the author, death of the author. Uh, Kenshin movies, I happen to think are pretty well made. I think they're pretty good, despite uh, the all my objections to the Kenshin movies are things that I objected to in the actual source material. So I kind of put that aside. In a similar vein, I think the Uzumaki live-action movie uh, kicks ass. Like it was I really have good. seen that one, actually, and I do genuinely love it. They do some real fun stuff with camera play in that one that I'm a big fan of. Yeah, it is very playful in, a, in the way that an adaptation of uh, Jinji Ito's work has to be to be uh, any any level of faithful. You know, they do this real fun shot where they do a back and forth, you know, A B cut between two characters talking, and they'll cut to you know character A, and then when they cut back to character B, the camera frame will have been rotated uh, forty five degrees, and it keeps yes. doing that back and forth until the the frame is made a complete spiral. Oh, I love that. Yes, yes. Well, there's no such thing as a complete spiral, okay? Mm, yeah. Sound like an idiot. Anyway, <laughs> I really like that movie. Uh, and similarly, uh, two that I watched before I even knew that they were adaptations. Uh, I Am a Hero, which is, uh, despite saying all that, talking all that shit about zombie movies in, in, in general, uh, I think is a really good zombie movie. Uh, I really like I Am a Hero. Genuinely good movie. Uh, as well as the Kaiji adaptation, uh, the the death game gambling game. Manga. Yeah, I'm I'm somewhat familiar with the concept of Kaiji. Um, I I like the premise. I think the art style is kind of one of those uh, love it or hate it ones for those who who know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it strays from the traditional uh, vanilla anime style. Let's say, you know, I I. I've come to appreciate that more and more over the years. I feel like a distinct style should be more important than being uh, uh, fuckable to your audience's eyes. <laughs> I like it. I think the the bumps make it worth it. And I just like this. It covers this first arc of Kaiji, which I think is the best, uh, which is the high stakes rock, paper, scissors tournament. Um, and it's that is fucking- the arc I'm familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, and it treats it so deadly seriously. I just really, really like it. I think it's really great. Uh, in the same vein, uh, this I, I did know this was a manga before going into it, but I think the As the Gods Will movie, another death game, hey. That's like your favorite death game. As, as it covers uh, the first arc of that death game. Uh, and a lot of people will call out, you know, Battle Royale as the definitive... Uh, live action death game adaptation right mm-hmm. but i really think as the gods will like has has it in the bag i think as the gods will first of all i think is maybe the death game in manga dumb uh i just really covers all my bases my personal bases uh and i think this movie does a really good job at ad- adapting it it does really great adaptational moves 
it keeps the CGI stuff to a minimum to prevent it being like a little too goofy to take seriously. It has a, a real dark sense of humor, which is obviously like so important uh, to the concept in general. I just, I, I mean, really got to know it. how to laugh in tense situations. Of course. Of course. I, I think it's really good. Uh, and despite ending in such like a cliffhanger, that makes me yearn for the full trilogy of as the gods will movies, which I really think would, Hey, if anybody has power to like produce more movies and as the gods will trilogy, especially the ending of like part two would blow people away. I promise you that would like, it would be such a banger trilogy. You got to trust me on this. So those are, I think those are the, the notables, um, of these lists. Now, there are some questionable ones that I kind of want to go into here. Some, most of that I haven't seen, uh, but some I have. Let's, uh, let's, let's say the number one being uh, Bleach. This would be a good entry into this, this category of live-action adaptation. Bleach sucks. I think that's the first thing to make clear. The Bleach adaptation is god-awful. Uh, I mean, really they, they, highlights... they don't have a lot to work with, you know? It's Bleach. Well, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, but Bleach at the beginning was the part that like made everybody fall in love with Bleach. It, you know, it's hard to remember why you fell in love so long ago. <laughs> yeah. I, I it has been a little too long for me. It really makes me question what I was what mind space I was in. But I think regardless of that, Bleach the Bleach adaptation has a lot of the markers of like what not to do in an adaptation, which is lean into the let's say the the manga ness of it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they spend a lot of time trying to get the very bad costumes to look authentic, and even though I spent that just recently talking about that like authenticity thing, uh, I think chasing authenticity in one of these adaptations is a mistake like flat out right uh well okay they can go a lot of ways you know uh i think generally what you're saying is true the better ones do air away from trying to be you know one-to-one creations of a cartoon on the screen that's where you get into really bad stuff you know we'll we'll get into that farther down but yes uh the the unholy i want to say the the unholy trinity is bad hair bad costumes bad cgi yeah i think i think it's a, a flawed premise to start with trying to adapt uh more fantastical uh anime into live action I think that there are certain things that are inherently only going to look good uh, in a drawn, you know, uh, animated cartoon, manga format, whatever. Uh, yeah. It's never going to look good in in reality because we know what reality looks like. We know, <laughs> uh, we don't know what something that isn't real would look like in reality. <laughs> like, yeah, that's I- it, though. No, it's the MC Escher figured this out already. And I think he taught us that lesson like years and years ago. I don't know why yeah. we are still grappling with exactly. it. Exactly. There's no way to, <laughs> what I'm saying is there's no way to overcome the inherent uh, rejection by the brain of, of trying to make th- certain things real, right? Yes. 
talking of talking about cosplay, this is a perfect uh, segue of all these things. Is, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is uh, the 3D version of of Trigun right has the exact same problem as all live action uh, and cosplay versions of Vash? Is that his hair does not make physical sense? Well, I mean, you you don't have to single out Vash. That's just most anime like character designs yes but i think there is something about vash uh his hair and and other parts of vash in particular that like uh, are are good examples of this like it like non-euclidean geometry it cannot exist in reality hey i just want to give a shout out to shinichiro watanabe and and having like realistic hair in in all of his works <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> totally <laughs> Anyway, I, I think Bleach falls for all three of those things um, in bad, bad ways. Uh, let's see. Have I seen any of these other ones? I think that kind of covers the list of things I've actually seen, which kind of I've seen lots of clips stuff. of the Full Metal Alchemist uh, movies, yeah. which there are several at this point. And, and none of them look great, but especially the first one, which came out real early on. For a lot of these adaptations, yeah, the CGI in that is real, real rough. It's rough. I oh, haven't yeah. seen any clips. Uh, I, I get the same feel of it as the Bleach one, which is leaning very hard into bad hair, bad costumes, and bad CGI. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, I, I don't know about something like Devil Man, how that would look in live action compared to uh, uh, what someone like Masaaki Yuasa can do to it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the rest of these that we haven't seen, or I haven't seen at least, uh, kind of break into, like, the two categories, right? Mm -hmm. Where we have things like um, Kakeguri, uh, Ace Attorney, sort of, Tomi, Higarashi, uh, Hell Girl to a certain extent, that's kind of it where we are dealing with stories that are mostly for the, uh, for, for the most part grounded in like sort of reality, like mm -hmm. Kakigori, for example, uh, you don't need any monsters. You don't need any magical powers to portray that story. It is just like weirdly horny girls, uh, playing weird betting games against each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, that is, that is something that is pretty straightforwardly, uh, portrayed in a, in a live action setting. And then we have the rest, which is stuff like Gantz, Cat-Eyed Boy, Devil Man, like you said, uh, Promised Neverland, Kitaro, Mob Psycho, especially, and Inuyashiki, uh, which are definitely leaning hard into like weird powers, strange visuals, that kind of thing. Now, uh, I will say I've, I've not seen clips, but I have heard some not great things about the Mob Psycho adaptation. I have a hard time imagining what that would look like just in general. You know, yeah. it's not like psychic powers are like completely alien to the filmic experience. Obviously, I mean, uh, well, I think the, the have we issue... talked about Carrie on this show. <laughs> I think we've talked a little <laughs> bit about Carrie on this show. Uh, you know, I think the issue is, again, going back to it is so many of these shows are deeply rooted in such a distinct visual style with with different flares in each one. You know, yeah. like Mob Psycho's distinctive uh, kind of multicolored kaleidoscope representation of his of his psychic powers. Yeah, yeah. I don't see that being anything other than than a cheap filter 
uh, applied in After Effects uh, in a live-action adaptation, especially not at the budget that they make these things at. Well, yeah, that is one of the big problems. And also about the, the artistic constraints I think they would put the directors under, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like, especially something like Mob Psycho, the way you would make it artistically successful, not necessarily commercially successful, is you give it to somebody and give them the leeway to interpret it very broadly. Uh, but that's not what like a studio would pay for, right? They wouldn't they wouldn't want that finished product. So I feel like uh, that that one seems a little bit cursed. And, and like the rest of these, uh, you know, uh, I do think, like you said, Devilman seems to be like a hu- a daunting challenge uh, to put it lightly, you know considering what the f- central focus of that manga is. Yeah, uh, it's being, funny. You know, weird, uh, fucked up dude. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. All these things on these lists I would generally consider to be really hard to adapt just by the basic premise of what they are, uh, yes. except for the Junji Ito ones. Uh, something about his particular style is, you know, maybe it's just horror in general is already lent towards towards cheap effects uh and 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 low budgets as a format right <laughs> uh, i think horror definitely has a leg up when it comes to like this stuff but i liked the uzumaki movie and at least a quentin tarantino like the tomie movie uh because he put <laughs> that chicken kill bill yeah 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 well you you know his taste uh i, I would say you know his recommendations tend to hit more than they miss uh and he honestly. hasn't even been fined two thousand dollars yet yeah <laughs> 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 oh god oh god okay well anyway oh jesus oh god uh, anyway uh i think we should let's let's break down how we're going to approach these i i think i should do i i will take it upon myself as the uh the instigator of this particular process to uh, uh approach some of these uh let's say ill-fated uh, adaptations and leave some of the ones that i've seen to you that you haven't seen. I think that's a smarter way to break this down. Okay, sure, sure. So I'm thinking like, and we we can, let's let's go over these, but I'm thinking on the Nate list. All right, make it a Nate column. I love Nate it. Nate column. I love it when I'm in a, I love it when I'm put in a box uh, with, with strict rules on what goes in that box. Yeah, you're getting college flashbacks, I know. Yeah. We're going to have Blade of the Immortal as an essential Right. Okay. That is sure. that is essential. We're having JoJo. That is an essential. All right. I'm I'm familiar with both of these, uh, you know, uh, original uh, anime works. So so that's a good place yes. to start. I think that's a good place to start. Comparisons are going to be important. I think. Uh, have you seen Ichi the Killer? You said you hadn't. I have not, but but Ichi the Killer is what made me aware of. Um, that particular director's body of work. Takashi Miike? Yeah, Takashi yeah. Miike, baby. I think I'll probably put that one on my list too because the last time I watched it, I, I think I watched it on a television that was about uh, six inches wide. <laughs> Not the best way to do it. Okay. Maybe and that is see. the best way to do it. <laughs> like <laughs> sitting uh, with your nose against the screen. Hey, yeah, fuck maybe. you, David Lynch. That is the best way to do it. <laughs> You're spitting in James Cameron's uh, open grave. I, I hope he gets imploded on a submarine. <laughs> oh, you bastard. I don't want to hear that shit. Don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare. I'm going to give you Kaiji for sure. Okay. Uh, Kenshin for sure, right? 
I have seen I have seen the first one a, a while ago, but I've seen it. Okay, well then you watched like the third one, I guess the the climax one. Right? Okay, all right. I I think that would be a good choice. I think uh, now let's see how are we gonna break this down. I'm gonna give you as the gods will because I've seen that one as well, and then uh, I'm thinking like. Would you appreciate the Full Metal Alchemist movie more than I did, considering you like that series more than me? Uh, I mean, I guess that's one way that you can approach that. I don't know if I would, if I'm going to appreciate it, but I definitely <laughs> am going to feel more feelings about it than you did, probably. Probably in that same vein, like maybe Ace Attorney, I should give that one to you as well. See, Ace Attorney is going to hit different because it's not going to be the weird uh, local, like American localized version of those games that I grew <laughs> yeah, up yeah. with. Uh, because I absolutely love the charm of of it being in fake Los Angeles, even though it clearly takes place in Japan. Yeah, yeah, that is a huge aspect of what makes that game great, at least for us, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll the the subtitling will try to take into account some of that stuff. Who knows? Uh, I think that's that may, you know, I haven't seen that one either, so it's kind of a toss up. If you don't want that one, we can reassign it. But like, let's see. All right, for me, E Remy, I'm definitely gonna want to take the the Death Note, the Japanese Death Note animation uh, adaptations. <laughs> I didn't yeah, even know that know. they had. Uh, uh, did those come out before or after the American one? Before, I'm pretty sure. Okay, yeah, I guess that would make sense. I'm going to take Kakiguri because I know you don't really know what that is. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm going to take Cat-Eye Boy because I love Cat-Eye Boy. Uh, uh, I don't know, I kind of want Cat-Eye Boy. The name intrigues me. I want to know more about this Cat-Eye Boy. Well, let's put, let's put that on yours too because uh, I would love to talk about Cat-Eye Boy with you. Okay. Cat-Eye Boy fucking rules like absolutely rules i'm thinking i'll take like i've i've probably had way more experience with higarashi than you have so i'll take that one as well what else would be interesting on this list i think like you would probably get something out of i am a hero since I've okay seen well one. okay let's um let's do this i want to put mob psycho on your list to okay. to go alongside Full Metal Alchemist on mine because I know that you you have positive feelings towards that series. Definitely, I definitely do. Uh, in the similar vein, I think like I don't know very much about Hell Girl, so it would be interesting to like dive into that because that is a very storied series. So I'll take Hell Girl. I've never actually seen the Tomie movie. Okay, uh, I haven't seen that either. That's been on my list for a while, actually. Um, yeah. Let's put that on both our lists. Yeah, uh, I can get, I can convince my wife to watch that with me too. So that's a that's a <laughs> double win. She will allow you to watch that movie. Her boyfriend will allow, allow you to watch that movie. <laughs> At least I have my switch. <laughs> uh, I think that Promised Neverland should go on your column. Okay, I'll take Promised Neverland because you uh, I, you did I like did, that manga quite a bit. I did read and watch that one. Hey, know? how'd you feel about that second season? I heard some things about that. I never, I, I haven't watched the second season. I never oh, watched man. it. Oh man! All right, maybe that's yeah. good. Maybe that's a good thing for you. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Is that is that everything? Kitaro is a big question mark to me because I haven't read it or or watched the anime. 
I'll take that one. Same with uh, Inuyashiki, even though I've been it's been it's been on my must read pile for a long time. So maybe I'll take that one as well. All right, yeah, I think that's a good split there. Much more manageable yeah. than the uh, the daunting block of text you originally sent me. Well, are there any we should both watch just so that we have like uh, similar perspectives? Uh, well, I think Dave, I am assuming you've already seen the JoJo one. Yes. So yeah, we you have a lot that I've seen. So I want to put like, uh, are there any of these other ones that you want you want to draft that we can both watch? Uh, let me think about it. I think uh, did you play many of the Ace Attorney games uh, when you were younger? Was that? Oh yeah, yeah. at least three of them. Well, okay, yeah, I played at least the first three, so maybe we could do that together. Uh, have something to go on there, because we both know what Ace Attorney's like, and we oh, both definitely. have that unique American perspective of what <laughs> yeah. an Ace Attorney is like. Very unique. <laughs> uh, well, I it's it's different than than the original translation of those games, right? You know. Absolutely. Yes, it definitely is. Yeah, the hamburger stand. Yeah. Yeah. Let's all go get hamburgers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think we've drafted the important ones. Yeah, um, I, th- I think this are, are is good. Are there any others? Are there any others you want to watch? None that I can think of. You obviously have okay. much more comprehensive <laughs> knowledge of these Japanese adaptations. All the ones I'm thinking of are, are Western ones that we've already talked about. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think. I guess, you know, the one we've danced around um, really is uh, neither of us has ever taking the step to watch that dragon ball adaptation i never gonna watch that movie i'm never <laughs> gonna watch it i i don't think i would survive the attempt uh or nor would i want it, to it would be it would be painful i don't <laughs> want to respect chow young fat any less than i do now oh man uh okay so let's let's see for in for nate uh we've got blade of the immortal jojo ichi the killer kaiji kenshin as the gods will full metal alchemist Ace Attorney, Cat-Eyed Boy, I Am a Hero, Tomie, that's a, I, not, I don't want to preemptively shit on my list, but that's a good-ass fucking movie list. Oh, yeah, uh, no, I definitely came out on top in this list. Yeah, uh, for Remy, Remy, Remy will watch Death Note, Kakiguri, Cat-Eyed Boy, Devil Man, Higurashi, Mob Psycho, Hell Girl, Tomie, Princess, Pr- Princess Promise, Neverland, <laughs> Kitaro, Iroyashiki, and Ace Attorney. I'm not looking forward to some of these, but uh, in the spirit of podcast content, uh, I will do my due diligence. We'll get there, people, and we're doing it for you. I don't want you to forget that. Uh, These are pains and sacrifices that we make for your enjoyment. Yeah, and on top of that, obviously, we will both be at least approaching this One Piece live action thing. That is kind of like the the shadow looming over this whole discussion. Yes, exactly. Right? We started off with it is this looming One Piece uh, premiere, uh, which uh, apparently there, there was a fan event in Santa Monica last night um, as of this recording that uh, Oda showed up to in person and nobody fucking yeah. recognized him. Yeah, because he famously tries not to put his face on camera. He's one of those guys. Hitch- yeah. Again, he he does the Daft Punk thing, which is uh, incredibly smart. I don't know why every famous person doesn't do that. It's like so obviously the correct choice if you have to be in the public eye. Same with, um, uh, oh man, my brain sucks so bad. But uh, the Nier Automata guy. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, Yoko Taro. Yoko Taro, yes. The the inimitable Yoko Taro also wears that dumb-looking mask uh, whenever he has to do public things. And that's why we wear these big uh, Sentai mascot heads on on our our head at public appearances. (laughs) Yeah, unless you're in the super high Patreon tier, you will never see our faces. (laughs) I promise you that, ever. That is, that is a genuine promise from us to you, the audience. You'll never have to see us. And you, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. Come on. What would you get out of it, really? Uh, all right. Well, and, of course, you are slowly uh, chipping away at the Fate series still, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. the worm pit keeps coming back up. I'm not yeah. a fan. Yeah. It's uh, strangely important, right? Don't worry, you'll get past but it. But it has actually, it has made me uh, strangely interested in in prehistory uh, war tactics. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of uh, lots of good little historical tidbits tucked in there, for no reason because they never come into play. But you know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm super enjoying this show. I love it. Great that you you told me to watch this. If you ever really wanted to like get into like some of the lore surrounding Gilgamesh, for example, you know he is a, a pretty famous guy. Uh, you know, fate might be uh, of interest to you. I oh, uh, Shaka when the walls fell. Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a Star Trek: The Next Generation <laughs> reference. A, that's a really uh, yeah. It's a great for, poll. You know, uh, live long and prosper, people. Come on. It's weird how much Gilgamesh comes up in the Star Trek canon. Anyway, well, when we come back to you at some point in the future, who knows when, probably next week, uh, we will have watched some not anime, but anime-adjacent stuff. Oh, God. That's exciting. I hope you're as excited about it as we are. I am on the you edge of my seat. You can hear in our voice. Yeah, you can hear in our voice our absolute uh, anticipatory salivation. Uh, I'm really excited to watch some of these movies. <laughs> uh, I am I am actually legitimately excited to watch at least two of these on my list. Yeah, well, you, look, Takashi Miike cranks out the bangers. I, I don't know how he does it, people. I do not know how he does it. Uh, I will let you know if I manage to get farther than like 10 minutes into Full Metal Alchemist. At least skip around. Can you make that promise? Yeah, I, I can take I can take a, a smattering, a smear, a vertical slice of the series as a whole. Sure. Okay. That you know what? That's all I ask of you. Okay. Sure. All right. Oh God. Okay. Uh, with this daunting cast laid out before us, I think we're gonna call it time of death. Uh, it is exactly <laughs> six forty-eight on August 29th. It is don't, a Tuesday. Don't, don't time dox us. <laughs> 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 I don't know how that could bite us in the ass, but uh, <laughs> somehow I feel like somehow that could that could backfire. Uh, and with that, uh, that is going to be that is going to be your. It's going to be a death sentence, is what you gave me. Your death sentence, uh, beautiful and handsome listeners. That is that is anime death spiral. Somehow we talked about anime this time. I think that'll keep you occupied for at least a week. The hunger never ends for them. The hunger never ends. Why won't you people ever be satisfied? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Is that it? Are we done? That's it. I think we're done. Okay. (laughs) Until next time, dear listener. Bye. Bye.
think everybody everybody gets a pass on Halloween. <laughs>